Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate you sharing your midday with us as always. And if you don't, if you're just checking us out, well, it's not like it's going to be the greatest vibes in the world today, but you should still check us out. We do usually have some good vibes that we're talking about here on Wesson Walker. At least try to bring it to you in a city that just doesn't have much fun going on with their professional sports teams. Not whatsoever. And we had more examples of that come through in the last couple of days. We can hear from you. You can share your thoughts, your comments, 704-570-9610. That is the text line. Once again, it's 704-570-9610. I know Mac and Bone were talking about it earlier this morning. I know Jeff and Colin were talking about it from 10 to 12, as you just heard. But yeah, we got some more Miles Bridges news, and it's not any good. We've been waiting for some clarity on everything that's going on. After yesterday, it was reported first by WSOC, Jessica Allen, Glenn Counts on WSOCTV.com. There was a report about an arrest warrant having been issued for Charlotte Hornets forward Miles Bridges, and it's related to a prior domestic violence incident. So they were clear at first as we first got to see some of this information. It was clear that the situation did not involve any new allegations of physical violence. It was related to the violation of a protective order, according to the Mecklenburg County Sheriff's Office and the county clerk of court. Channel 9 also learned that earlier this week, Bridges had then another incident resulting in criminal charges. So at first it wasn't all that clear, but now we do know that there is a new incident that we are discussing here. And so Joe Bruno continues to bring us some clarity, a part of WSOC, breaking on Miles, quote, the criminal summons states that Bridges violated a protective order during a custody exchange on Tuesday. Yes, two days ago, that Tuesday, it alleges he threw billiard balls at his ex-girlfriend's car, damaging her windshield. During the exchange, he threatened to withhold child support and take everything from her. That is quote, end quote, according to the summons. Bridges is also facing a child abuse charge because there were children in the car when the vehicle window broke from the billiard balls, according to the criminal summons. The victim in question is Bridges' longtime ex-girlfriend, the mother of his children. The pair have several children, and they are in the middle of a custody battle. So just when we had good vibes off of a loss to the Miami Heat in preseason game number one, we were feeling pretty good about the Charlotte Hornets team and maybe a little bit too far-fetched because Miles Bridges, at the end of the day, still pled no contest, not formally admitting to guilt, but also not formally being innocent by any stretch of the imagination, pleading no contest to a felony domestic violence charge that he turned himself into in, J- in July of 2022. So after all that, he pled no contest in November. 
There's an arrest warrant, uh, arrest warrant issued January 2nd. So this was after he pled no contest, but during the Hornets and the NBA investigation. And now we have this, a summons for an incident that, incident that took place on Tuesday, alleging he threw billiard balls at the car that had his children in it to the point where it caused enough damage in excess of $200, according to the case summary, and to the point where now you have another incident that happened with Miles Bridges because of how dangerous it was, more misdemeanor child abuse charges here. If you're the Charlotte Hornets, let's get one thing clear here. I understand that there might be some people that want more information on all of this. I got you, okay? We have some information here, according to the case summary, what Miles Bridges is alleged of doing. That's all fine. I got it. But if you're the Charlotte Hornets and you read this, and after the incident took place, he pled no contest in November, we have an arrest warrant that takes place in on January 2nd, okay? Here we have another incident of him throwing billiards ball, billiard balls at a car that had his children in it to the point where it causes damage to the window. And now that is another incident after the Hornets already gave him a contract. So for everybody that was out there wanting to give Miles Bridges the benefit of the doubt, because people defending Miles did so to a point where they didn't really care about anything else. They just wanted to defend Miles Bridges because he was going to help the Charlotte Hornets win some basketball games. But now for all those people that were asking for Miles to get a second chance, we have a couple of incidents after the second chance. Like, doesn't matter how you slice it. The second chance after pleading no contest, the second chance after getting a contract. And now here we are after you play a game two days ago for the Hornets in the first preseason game of the season. That's the same day that we have Miles Bridges allegedly throwing billiards balls at that car. You are never safe. If you're the Charlotte Hornets, you can never be so sure. Despite what event is coming up that is significant with this season, you can never be sure that you can trust Miles Bridges to not get in trouble or to have any legal problems come about. And if you're the Charlotte Hornets, whether it be cynicism of just washing your hands of these problems or whether it be with what is within your moral compass, I don't know how you continue to keep him on your roster. The right thing, in my opinion, to do, Wes, is to cut him in to cut him today. I'm with you 100%. And uh, let me start out by saying that I know a lot of you out there have been through situations with the mothers and fathers of your children, as have I. I've been through the court processes. I've been through the the custody exchanges and all of these different things. And it's a lot of tension. There's a lot of anxiety. There can be a lot of bad blood in these situations. But for Miles Bridges, man, there's no excuse at all for one. This tells me that I can't count on you at all if this is the thought process that you have. But, Walker, we talked about this pre-show. And I said we kind of saw not necessarily this coming, and it's still shocking. It's still appalling. But with everything that Miles did after the original incident happened, that told you what type of time he was on. After, after I, you know, assault the mother of my children in front of them, we saw the damage. We heard from the children when he was talking to his grandmother on the phone. Then I'm playing basketball in L.A., posting it on social media. Then I start with the workout videos and so I can get 
my my validation. Everybody cheering me on. Yeah, King, come on. We ready for you to get back into the league. We ready. This, that, and third. We should not have heard anything from Miles Bridges until we saw him at training camp. But no, he wants to get out, get the attention, get the clout. That should have told you right there. No contrition. He's still, you know, just one of those stereotypical athletes that people talk about that want the attention, that's, that's thinking about the wrong things. So we saw this coming. We saw it coming before the original incident with the lean, with the raps, with the content of the lyrics and all of these types of things. So I'm with you 100%, Walker, because I said when we talked about this, when everything went down in the first place, I said if I were running the team, he would be on a zero-tolerance policy. And the minute you do anything, if you sneeze wrong, we're going to get you out of here. This is the sneeze. It's time to get him out of here. You're sitting there in a situation. You don't know how this could have gone. Then you're not even thinking about your children. And that's the thing that when you're going through these types of processes, you have to put the child first and think about the child. And people get immature and somebody still got feelings on one side or the other. And then they want to act on it and things of that nature. You have to think about your children. Are you thinking about your little boy and little girl that are seeing this? They could grow up to follow those same types of patterns, same types of relationships they could end up involving themselves in because what they see from mommy and daddy. Or just on a straight physical level, you throwing the balls at the glass. What if the glass shatters or chips or something and glass flies into that back seat and hits one of those kids, things of that nature? There's so many layers to this. But this young man, obviously, uh, he has not shown any type of contrition. He's still on the same type of thought process that he was on the, before. He hasn't learned. He still feels entitled to his NBA job, for which he should lose that and not be able to come back at this point. Because when you do something like what he did, the original domestic violence charges, and if you can't learn from that, and you're still out here just doing whatever and, and pushing the envelope, you shouldn't have been there in the first place. Let's get you out of here. Let's get you out of the NBA. You don't deserve to play basketball. Let's see what else you can do with the rest of your life, and hopefully you finally learn from this. But I don't have a lot of faith that he has. So he pled no contest in November. There was an NBA and a Charlotte Hornets investigation going on until you eventually sign him to a qualifying offer in the middle of the offseason, July, when free agency is about. Here's Mitch Kupchak speaking about signing Miles Bridges and how they did take everything into account. Shroppy, do you have that sound ready for me here with this Miles Bridges thing? Here's Mitch Kupchak, the GM, discussing how they took everything into account, and that's why they decided to give him a second chance. Well, it was a, it was a combination, you know, of everything I talked about, right? The process in Los Angeles, you know, the NBA's investigation. Uh, a part of it was also, you know, knowing somebody for five years, um, you know, having a relationship, and uh, there was some trust there, and there's still trust. Um, the conversations, you know, that we've had over the past year. Um, sit down conversations in person conversations on the phone and you know yeah you have to make a judgment right you know is this sincere remorse is this sincere accountability um you know it's not something that you know is easy to judge right it takes you have to make a judgment and we took all those factors into consideration and we decided ultimately to give him a second chance here's the thing about second chances how seriously do you take them? Right. How seriously do you take the second chance that you were given after you pled no contest and after you were given a contract? 
Reportedly, Miles Bridges couldn't take it seriously enough to not smash a windshield with a pool ball at the residence belonging to the mother of his children two months after pleading no contest. Two months! This protective order is in effect for 10 years. And reportedly, the dude could not could not keep it together enough to violate it in Janu- on January January 2nd, excuse me. And then here we are with the pool ball incident taking place a couple of days ago. So now we're talking about within a year's worth of time, okay? After the protective order was in place for 10 years. I, If you're the Charlotte Hornets, and here you are talking about second chances, you have two instances to go back to now after you thought everything was over. Now, the Charlotte Hornets, they released a statement saying, we're aware of the allegations. We're gathering more information at this time. (laughs) Wash, rinse, repeat, as far as the statements come out for the Charlotte Hornets. This has been what they've been saying ever since we got the first uh, report from Miles Bridges in July of 2022. This is what they've been releasing. At first, I didn't really have a problem with it. In some senses, when you create these statements, saying less is more. So you don't, you know, fumble over the words as you're trying to say, oh, okay, you know, we, we care about all this. Yeah. And then people start to question, hey, you're gathering more information. Cool. But now, after you continue to say that, man, we just, you know, we keep getting the same comment. We keep getting the same statement from the franchise over and over and over again. And so if, if you bring back Miles Bridges, you decide to bring him back for him to play at least one year under the qualifying offer. And you have a couple of incidents happen. The second chance was violated. At some point, you're going to get exposed. Are you going to give him a third? Can you trust him with a third? Because it doesn't seem like it. And so if you are going to give him your trust, now you're the fool. Which already you could claim that the Charlotte Hornets are for allowing him to come back. Because I didn't want him back. We were getting to a point when we could talk about basketball again. We were getting to a point where we felt pretty good. Hornets Media Day. All about the vibes, baby. We were all good. LaMelo Ball was getting his boy back in Miles Bridges. Mark Williams was on the ascent. Brandon Miller, number two overall pick. He's going to come in off the bench and be in a good role for him, not to have too much responsibility on his shoulders. But Wes, I don't think he's going to play. There's no way. I don't even know if he's going to be on the team by 5 o'clock today. I don't know. 6 o'clock, whatever. That's just an example. I don't know how long he's going to be on the team. But if you do see him out there on the floor at some point, I was getting to a spot where I could have good feelings about him catching an alley-oop from LaMelo. But now I can't help but think every single time about Miles Bridges last year and a half, if he does have one good play, am I sp- I'm going to feel weird pulling for the Hornets. Time heals all. So I was getting to a spot where I could cheer for the Hornets now, but man, <laughs> how are you going to feel watching Miles Bridges play basketball if that is going to happen? I don't think it is, Wes. But now everything is messed up because of this decision to bring him back and his decision to continue to get in trouble. Well, part of the problem is and I know we're up against it, so I'll say quickly. I know we're going to. You're good. You're good. Okay. All right. So uh, part of the problem is getting that second chance and it not being enough suffering happening. And he did miss a year basketball. He did lose out on the contract that he was going to get, which is besides the point as far as just who cares about the money or whatever the case may be. But the fact that. This is a guy that because of his talent, he's always got no second, third chances because you think off of what we saw, everything we saw before the first domestic violence incident, what we see now, you think this is the first time that Miles has been doing stuff he had no business, 
I'm thinking back to Michigan State, high school, things of that nature. There may not have been anything on the docket as far as officially, but this is a guy that has always been among the most talented athletes wherever he goes. And we know in this society that buys you cachet with people. You can get into some trouble. You can do things to where people will give you those second, third chances. And that's the problem. He sat there and he looked at this situation in my mind and said, man, after all that I just did and I still get to come back and play basketball again for the same team I was playing with before, I got a chance to get the money back that I lost potentially. All of those things played into it. And I do say with some of the textures on the line that are saying that riding around with pool balls in your car, that sounds like something that's contrived. That sounds like you knew you were going to go over there to kick up some dust. But that's neither here nor there. But I'm just saying the fact that he does get multiple chances, I feel like most athletes that are his caliber, that's just their MO. They're used to that. That's their line of thinking. And so he thought, once again, even after all of this, I'm still in the NBA. I'm still getting ready to come back and do what I love to do. Not enough suffering, not enough happened to make him really think about what he did or else we wouldn't be in this situation again. Yeah, if you are one that is calling for some form of rehabilitation, I agree. I hope Miles Bridges. And he, took, he was so assigned the, uh, anger management, correct? For, yeah, yes. There yes. are plenty of things that he has to go through. But do you think that the best form of rehabilitation for him right now is to continue to play basketball? with the Charlotte Hornets while making millions of dollars and just taking care of this on the side, like it's your second priority. Doesn't seem like the right thing for me. It's going to be a fun show today, huh? He's not buying a lot. A lot of people who are willing to give him a second chance earlier are definitely saying enough is enough. Yeah, no, I hear it. All right. We'll try to get through, man. It's another day in Charlotte sports. That's just what it is here on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We can answer maybe some of the text on the other side of the break. We also will talk some Carolina Panthers as they go through their struggles, which are more sports related. We'll get to that in just a little bit. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Thanks for joining us. We're on from 12 to 3. Kyle Bailey going to be taking over from 3 to 6 p.m. If you miss anything that you'd like to hear again or you didn't catch the first time, just go to the website, WFNZ.com. Just click the Wesson Walker tab or any show tab that you want to hear again. Again, that is WFNZ.com. We'll continue to talk about the Miles Bridges stuff a little bit later on in case you uh, were missing some of that content a little bit earlier in the show we are going to move on and discuss a little more about the Carolina Panthers and the struggles they're going through on the field we did hear from Ajero Avero today he was talking a little bit more 
about the defense here, Wes, which mm-hmm. has not been performing nearly as well. We know about how good they were at the beginning. I thought Navarro was doing a good job. I still think he's a good defensive coordinator in this league. You ran into a buzzsaw that is the Detroit Lions, where that offense has the best offensive line in the game. You go to PFF, Jared Goff is the highest graded quarterback, according to PFF right now. So Goff is playing well. You know about the weapons that they have and the defense, you know, putting bad spots with the turnovers. They're going to allow 40 points. That's just how it is. But how well are they playing and how well are some individuals playing on that side of the ball right now? Well, here's a Vero talking about what are the guys that we really wanted to step up? How about Jeremy Chin? Somebody that was second in defensive rookie of the year voting his rookie year, but has not really lived up to that kind of hype every other year since. Here's a Vero talking about a guy that we all wanted to step up with a new defensive coordinator in Jeremy Chin. There's uh, specialized packages for him. Um, you know, we're obviously trying to play him in Troy at that nickel position and then have Jeremy in some of the dime positions. And so, um, again, it's almost coming back to the, to the situation, first and second down, um, getting more third downs is how we get him on the field, obviously, and then some of those specialized first and second down deals too. But um, uh, our execution level, our ability to play the run game better, get into more pass situations is going to allow that to happen. What do you make of the way that Jeremy Chin has been used so far this year, Wes, and some of the comments there that you get from the defensive coordinator trying to figure out the best way to use him? I mean, if we're still at this point after everything that we heard in the offseason and that they had a plan for him and he was going to be unleashed in this defense, then I'm like, what are we doing here if you still don't know quite how to use him? Because uh, you look at things and analytically still a – a liability and coverage, but he's had some nice games. And I think that's the biggest thing that has hurt him is just the coverage is still not there. They still worry about putting him in uh, on some of those obvious passing downs if they're not going to blitz him. And so my whole thing is at this point, man, it just seems like he's, uh, you know, just a man that is stuck in the gray area. They don't know what to do with them, and I don't know that they figure it out at this point. I mean, you've had a whole off-season training camp, all of that. You still don't know. I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah. I, the thing is, you, you look at <laughs> – like, uh, Jack is writing in on the text line, Jeremy Chin is kind of like the LaVisca Chenault of the defense. We need spe- uh, special packages to get him involved. And you would like to have somebody that's out there, what, 100% of the snaps if you're that gifted? Correct. Uh, at least 90. <laughs> you know, not just the special packages that truly deploy what his skill set is because that means it's so specialized that he can't be an every down player, that he can't be an impact player on majority or even 90% of the snaps. So that's what's really unfortunate with Jeremy Chin. And I don't know know about you, Wes. I don't feel like he's been bad when he's out there. I mean, you just don't use him as much. I just think we know what the defense feels about him. But when I do see him out there, I don't view him as a bad football player, just not making as many special plays as we were hoping at the beginning of his career. Yeah, he's fourth on the team in tackle. So, I mean... He's productive when it's time to do those things. You can bring him on those blitzes. You can put him up in the box and let him make some noise up in there. But again, like I said, the the NFL is a game that most teams are going to pass the ball. Most teams have dangerous weapons. Most teams are trying to find matchups and exploit those. And when you have a guy like Jeremy Chen that doesn't have that history of being a cover safety, 
Well, yeah, you're going to be limited in what you can do with him if he cannot cover. That's what it tells me when they sit there and say, oh, you know, he's he's too specialized to find a position. No, it means that you can't cover that well, and they don't want to have you on the field on those downs because if you you start to get that that reputation of what teams are going to start to know, oh, Chin's out here, okay, well, this is probably – he's probably going to blitz, so he's probably going to be playing somewhere down in the box because if not, I'm going to find a matchup where I can exploit that. And I think that's the biggest thing. That's that coded language kind of that they're not telling you uh, about Chen at this point. So one of the problems for this defense, especially what we saw last week and what you have coming up this week, it's the allowing explosive plays. So we have a couple of sound bites on what happened against Detroit. Here's Avero discussing the explosive plays by the Lions and how they're not a concern, there is just an emphasis to get it fixed. So Avero did talk about that. Shroppy, I don't know if you have the other soundbite from Avero talking about the defense allowing explosive plays on first and second downs, but that's a real issue, Wes. Like If you allow explosive plays on the first couple of downs, then you never put pressure on the offense. You just never have the opportunity where you can really pin your ears back and then put them in third and long situations and then really send Brian Burns and even a pass rushing Derek Brown at that point. Justin Houston, clearly better suited to rush the passer. We do have that sound bite. Let's talk about the early down explosive plays they allowed to, to uh, Detroit. Some of that is uh, by uh, the nature of how we play. Some of that is we got to play with um, better fundamentals and schemes, coaches and players. And so uh, we just got to be better. Um, I think uh, we know there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, there's been a lot of good moments, uh, but there's been uh, some explosive moments that we want to take back. And so um, we got to understand that and understand how we can uh, be better in the future. You know who's explosive? Who's that? Miami. <laughs> you know who's explosive not only in the pass game, which is real visible, but also the number one rushing efficiency, uh, efficient offense in the league. It's having guys like Devon Achan, who's out, but Raheem Mostert's pretty good too. Raheem Mostert is also a guy that is featured on the top six fast ball carriers in the NFL so far this season and who is under HN in efficiency, but averaged six and a half yards per carry the last time out. So nothing bodes well because of the explosive plays that they allowed to Detroit and Miami is the most explosive team in the NFL. Well, one thing the Panthers could probably count on is that when you talk about Raheem Mostert, especially if he breaks an explosive run or two against the Panthers in the first half, he'll probably be out of the game in the second half and probably miss like four games. That's a San Francisco fan talking. Mostert does, you know what I'm saying? You're a 49ers fan? <laughs> so he breaks an 80-yard run, just count on he'll be done by the second quarter. He'll be on the sideline with some type of hamstring or something. But yeah. As I like to always say, this is a balanced breakfast you got coming. And this is not the team that you want to come in and have a problem giving up explosive plays. They are number one in points, total yards, first downs, passing yards, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns. So any offensive category you want to pick, they are going to bring the noise, especially when you talk about taking the top off of the defense with two guys who I'm sure that nobody in Carolina secondary can run with Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. So there are lots of options to go around for the Dolphins against this defense. And it's going to be interesting to see how Evero's going to defend uh, said options because this is certainly going to be pick your poison. And the defense is going to have to be on an A plus, 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 plus level.
level mm-hmm. to come out there and slow these guys down. Uh, Dante Jackson might be as close to an option as possible to keep up with Tyreek, but all you have to do is run a double move, and then you're going to burn him by 50 yards. Yeah. So the discipline is going to work against Dante. That is, if he's even out there. So we'll see about how banged up the secondary is. Do you feel like this is a game that could be real productive for a Brian Burns because of their explosivity throwing the football? Is that feels like the Panthers certainly need them. They need them in every game. But what kind of production do you think we'll get from the star edge rusher? Well, this is the game that, like I said, if you're going to be that guy, if you want that $30 million, you want that big bag, you want to be regarded with the Bosa's and the Garrett's and all of those guys, these are the games you have to show up. You have to uh, – the, the, the key phrase for yesterday was you have to feel him during this game. Burns has to be a steady presence in the pass rush. He also has to be able to play the run game, obviously. But this is a guy that has to be a nuisance for Miami uh, alongside with others as well. It's going to be a total team effort here to slow this group down. But Brian Burns has to be the ringleader of that. If they keep him under control, then, I mean, what, what do you have? So here's what's crazy, though, about the Miami offense. It's probably the single craziest thing about their offense is that Tua actually has the fastest time to throw in all of the NFL, which is crazy because when you are that aggressive, when you are throwing as many bombs as you do, those things usually work in direct contrast with one another. When you are trying to throw it to Tyreek Hill and you usually got to give these guys, what, five, four seconds to get downfield, probably closer to like three and a half, something like that mm-hmm. before you air it out. But Tua, there is not a quarterback with a faster time to throw the football than Tua Tungavailoa. At 2.37, the next closest is Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, and they're not being nearly as aggressive as what Tua is in Miami. It's crazy. And so even if you're talking about a pass-happy offense, Tua is out of the uh, top 10 in passing attempts this year for guys that have played five games or more. It doesn't make sense. It's crazy. So the protection is there enough. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, when he's in the game, they're fast enough for them to get down the field and they're going to throw it before the edge rushers can get there. You quite literally have more success against every single other quarterback getting to that QB because they're holding on to the football longer than what Tua has been doing this year. Oh, and he's going to throw a 50-yard bomb. I don't know how you stop that. And until you got to Buffalo, where they were able to score 48 points and they made him one-dimensional to a... I think he had uh, an interception in that game. He's got five this year, so he's turning the ball over a little bit. But Buffalo was the worst game they played by far. I don't know how Carolina stops them, especially with some of the injuries they have on that side of the I ball. I mean, you're going to have to stop them by, like you said, if you can't get there, then you have to get your hands up inside of that two and a half seconds that you have. And you've got to have a plan with your pass rush. Like, there's no question about that. These guys have to go up there on the snap. You can't worry about fatigue or anything like that. You have to have a plan. Everybody has to have that plan to win their matchup, obviously. And Averro's going to have to cook up some uh, – witty blitzes so that's going to be a key to all this as well you're going to have to help guys out and so again it's just going to have to be an elite effort from Evero, an elite effort from this defense especially as many guys as you're down in the secondary like they're up against it like there's no there's no hiding that they're up against it and Miami is hitting on all cylinders they're healthy uh right now offensively so the Panthers are just going to have to come out there uh, just play their butts off and pray. It the, the numbers are pretty astonishing for Tua and that offense. He's got the third best completion percentage 
which usually it's a little skewed. When you talk about completion percentage, it doesn't account for the average depth per target. But when you're talking about Tua being one of the more aggressive QBs in the league, if you go to next-gen stats, the aggressive percentage for Tua, it's in the top half of the league, also fastest time to throw, also completes it as well as any of the top three QBs. They should be they should be affecting one another in a negative way. Uh, it's, it's nuts what Mike McDaniel has been able to do with Tua, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. Every, if you're fast, man, if you run anything better than a 4-4, odds are you are on the Miami Dolphins. The fa- the six fastest ball carriers of the year. And now you don't have Devon Achan, which is a big deal. I will say that. Yeah. The fact that he has been the most efficient running back since he he was a healthy scratch in game one, by the way. Yeah. And so he comes back on top of having Raheem Mostert. All of them are track guys. I him a lot at Texas a Oh, yeah, he was fun. People were really high on that pick, mm-hmm. especially in that system. And don't he's just delivered any time that he's in there. You don't have A-chan, though. I do like Fluke Juki taking your uh, philosophy seriously here, Wes, saying, wait, so Wes's philosophy is let Mostert get an 80-yard touchdown the first play of the game, so he's out the rest of the game. I'm in. Yeah, he'll pull a hamstring. And I'm with you. He'll be out for a month. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to affect his money. But <laughs> if that's going to happen at least for one game, then yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's let him free. And then if he doesn't play the rest of the game, Carolina might only lose by 30. Yeah. That'll do it for some <laughs> Carolina Panthers defensive conversation here on uh, Wes and Walker. Let's continue to talk about the Panthers. How do you simplify the playbook for Bryce Young? Is it already happening? And is that the best thing for your number one overall QB? We'll get to some more of that conversation on the other side of the break. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Closing out the 12 o'clock hour here on Wesson Walker. Trying to figure out ways where the Carolina Panthers can show a little something against Miami. Got Jack feeling good about the Panthers. He said, we're beating Miami and we're winning our next three after the bye, Walker. How about that? You like where Jack is right now in a mental space? Hey, as a fan, you have to always believe. I mean, there's always a slight chance. We see upsets <laughs> in the league in every sport. NFL, that's why mm-hmm. I said I'm not going to give the Panthers a 0% chance because, as I said, that goes with my Queen City Magic theory that teams in Charlotte will pull one out of their keister uh, when you think they have no chance at all. And this is certainly one of those games where you would think Miami's going to run it up and score 70 or whatever the case, and then you'll turn on the TV and it'll be 17-14 in the doggone top of the fourth quarter. <laughs> and you'll be like, what the hell is going on? This would feel like one of the wilder upsets that we've ever yes, seen. Yes, it would be. There are people discussing the Panthers possibly going defeated, Detroit Lions style. Yes. 
not having a single win this season mm-hmm. against that team that scored 70 in a game. It would be one of the more wild upsets. I'll yeah. say this. One of the other wilder upsets that I've ever seen for Carolina, I feel like P.J. Walker coming in last year against Tampa Bay and playing the best game that we had seen recorded up until that point. I know people make fun of me for that one. Like, Fiddy loves saying, oh, P.J. Walker is a god, whatever. Hey, man, I'm not saying I want him starting for my team. That game, he played as good as any QB in the league. That game was crazy. He played against Tampa Bay. And you needed every single bit of it in order to pull off an upset like that. Yeah, I, That was nuts. So can we get that magic from Bryce Young? Can we get him floating to his left, fireballing 35 yards downfield on the sideline to somebody not DJ Moore who <laughs> caught that pass? Can we get Terrace Marshall or Adam Thielen receiving that? Do I don't you, know. Do you know where my Queen City magic theory began? We've talked about it before on Locked On. Well, on Locked On, but it was a long time ago. Well, I was just saying, just for the the listeners out there, when when I was a young lad and the Panthers were in the NFC West and they had their ragtag bunch, the Mark Carriers of the world, the Mm -hmm. Anthony Johnson. Yeah, speak to us. Tyrone Pools and things like that. And, uh, you know, my 49ers would come in, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, you know, popping. And the Panthers would either play them to the death or beat them. And it used to drive me insane. Like, I'd be in the house throwing, just angry. And then the Hornets, too, man. It felt like every time Michael Jordan came to town, I'd never forget Larry Johnson hitting the backward shot, throwing it up over his head as he's falling backward, as it banks in. They win the game, and I was like, man. I said, Charlotte, boy, I said, just when you think they're not going to get it done, they do, and then they'll come out and lose to somebody they got no business losing to. I mean, B.J. Armstrong <laughs> gave us a little Queen City magic when yeah. we got to win that playoff game, the last dance, Chicago Bulls. Yeah. We saw that. It was cool to see the Rick Bennell, Michael Jordan reading the Rick Bennell write-up in the Charlotte Observer. The last dance caught that footage. With just uh, What a snapshot that is. But there was some Queen City magic. Yeah. And then Michael, as he's one to do, took it personally and then they beat him and that's the game by the way we all know the famous michael jordan having a cigar in his mouth swinging the bat in the locker room i believe it was after that game everybody wants to talk bleep when they up but what about when you're down and i was like oh my why am i scared he's not playing me why am i scared of mj at this moment yeah and then of course they would win every single game after that but for that one moment wes we did have some queen city magic mm-hmm. what's the way it happens Let's talk about it. All Let's right. create the optimism here. What is the way that I'm not even going to say that the Panthers win? What is the way that the Panthers have a chance to win at the end of this game? Have possession within the final two minutes, some scenario where they have a shot to come out victorious. How does it happen, Wes? Woo! I mean, you would go with, I guess, old football logic where you thinking you got to be able to run the ball and control the clock. And then the pass rush, they got to be on one and just be yeah. disruptive. That would be scenario one. I mean, scenario two, it would just have to be some type of out-of-the-ordinary game where the Panthers offense just all of a sudden wakes up because uh, this Miami Dolphins defense, now they do yeah. have some things that are scary about them, but they're 23rd in yards allowed per game, 18th in rushing yards allowed per game, 16th in rushing yards per attempt, 20th in passing net yards per game. So there are opportunities there. The only scary part about this defense is that they are 
they're tied for third in sacks, and they lead the league in quarterback hits. So I know Panthers fans don't want to hear that one, especially with Bryce Young back there. They lead the league in quarterback hits, but it would just have to be one of those games where Frank Reich just says, the hell with it, we're going to be aggressive, and things are hitting, where they're able to keep up somehow, some way, and score 30-plus, and then the defense just has a – out-of-body experience. Yeah, the problem is, I, I went back to this, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, when the Miami Dolphins were set to play the Bills, and the conversation was, how are the Bills going to beat the Dolphins? How are they going to pull off that upset? Dan Orlovsky on ESPN was saying, no, the Bills have to be aggressive offensively. There's none of this whole control in the time of possession stuff. No, you got to be aggressive, you got to challenge downfield, and you got to score as many points as possible. And they scored 48, and Miami only scored 20. So game script dictated that Devon Achan, despite having 100 yards, he only had eight carries. So you you put it into his hands solely, really, where they only had 19 rushes, Wes, in that game against Buffalo because the Bills got off to an early lead. That's going to be tough to ask Carolina to do because their offense is not Buffalo's. They do not have a Stephon Diggs. They don't have a Gabe Davis to stretch the field, and they don't have Josh Allen. It. Could you think of a bigger difference at QB from Bryce Young than Josh Allen? Like Anthony Richardson, maybe? Sure. But they're very different. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what you're looking at right now. 19 carries for Miami. I think you do want to hold them to a point where, as, as crazy as it sounds, we know Carolina has not been good stopping the run. I almost want Tua to throw the ball a lot more, Wes. I know it's crazy, but I do. Right? You got to pick your poison here. If Tua throws an interception, and he's been prone to him a little bit, he's thrown five. In the games that have been close against the Bills where they lost, he threw one interception. In the game against the New England Patriots, that was only 24-17 to win. Patriots had a shot at the end of that game. Remember, we almost saw an offensive lineman catch a tipped pass, almost get the first down off of that, except he was a little short. Miami ends up winning, but Tua threw an interception in that game. If he gets past his first and second read and each of those are covered, you watch some NFL matchup stuff, that's when he starts to get a little happy feet. You know, can can you cover long enough? It seems like a stretch, but we're trying to stretch this into a legitimate conversation, Wes. And if you can make him hold on to the football just a little bit, Mm -hmm. then maybe you have a shot to keep this thing closer to the point where you have a shot at the end. And that's the thing, too, man. To go up against an offense like this, it is imperative that you have four defensive linemen capable of getting home. That's that's the key to the whole deal. Or you have to at least be able to rush for and get home so that you can drop seven. You got to have linebackers that can cover and run, and you got to have DBs obviously that are uh, savvy veteran type guys if they're not able to run with these guys in addition to having the requisite IQ. But that's the thing. The Panthers are going to have to be able to get home with three to four guys. That's the only hope that they have in this passing game. That's why I said Brian Burns and Derek Brown, this is the game for you. Show us why you should be cornerstones of this defense by taking over games like this. It's not like it's just one guy and everything falls on Brian Burns because YGM has been playing good football as well. But all pass rushers on deck, Derek Brown is going to have to be on one for this team because that's it. If Everett's going to have to constantly blitz now, there could be some scenarios where his blitzes, they're just cooking and he's just getting home. They're getting home whenever. But if you're not able to do that, the next best thing is you've got to be able to start at a baseline foundation of getting four guys after that quarterback, three to four, that can get home, buy the Tua, 
and then uh, guys holding it down out there in coverage because other than that, it's going to be a hard time. If you got to start bringing five, six, and those blitzes are getting picked up, that's mm-hmm. when you start to see those heavy scores. The strength of their offensive line is on the outside, especially with Armstead. Mm-hmm. And so if you can get interior pass rush, this is a big old Derrick Brown game. I mean, if you can if you can rush the passer, yeah, you would love for them to stop the run. Derrick Brown is really the only guy that you trust that can be able to do that. But also, if you can provide that interior pass rush where Tua ain't able to step up in the pocket, that's big. That's big. If he can't step up in the pocket yeah. by time and then figure out a way to just let Tyreek run wild. And with the throw time, like you said, man, you got to get there. Mm-hmm. You got to have that you plan win early. and get there. Win early, man. Come on, Derek. Come on, Brian. Win early. <laughs> and then we got that shot, that Queen City magic. That's right. That Queen West City magic. is trying to bring up. All right, we'll talk <laughs> a little bit more about the Miami Dolphins game. At 120, we're going to bring on a guest, one of Wes's homeboys from back in the day. We have David Ferronis, Miami Dolphins beat reporter for the Sun Sentinel, going to be hopping on with us to talk a little bit more about that matchup. How about some college football ACC midseason awards? We'll bring a check-in for you on the other side of the break. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.